Welcome to this episode of the Texas Tech edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jackson Moody, and I'll tell you what, it feels so good to have Big 12 basketball back as Texas Tech goes into Austin and beats the number 20 Texas Longhorn 78-67. One thing that does not feel good is to have another scandal with the Texas Tech basketball team Bruin. We'll talk about the game first, and then we'll go ahead and hop into the scandal and uh, just share my thoughts on whether Pop Isaacs should still be playing or not and a couple of new transfer, transfer portal ads in football. So, if y'all remember last week, uh, the Thursday or Friday episode, I said that if Texas Tech shoots 40% or better from three, they will walk out of this game with a win. And I got very worried about that because there was a point, I think it was an under four timeout, that I was in the stadium looking up at the scoreboard, saw, okay, we're at 40%, but we've only taken five threes. If we only take 12 threes and shoot 40%, that's not quite going to get us the win here. I may I may have to go back on this prediction. And it really wasn't the three that got us the win. Now, we shot it really well. We shot 7 of 15. That is a great mark. I'll take that every day. You're getting 21 points from beyond the arc on just 15 shots. But the thing that impressed me was they were willing to go inside with it. And now the first 10 minutes of the game, they weren't really that good. But I'll tell you what, Joe Toussaint... It was 17-10, about 11 minutes left. He was battling down low, just willed his way to the basket. You end up getting a stop. You, you get a timeout. You come back down. You got another bucket from Joe Tucson on like a fadeaway from the wing. And it just really started to seem like this thing was clicking for tech. And then, of course, after that, you get another stop at 17-14. And Darian Williams falls down, taking the ball to the basket. Goes in between the legs to Robert Jennings, who, by the way, Robert Jennings, he only got, what, 11 minutes in this game? But still, uh, a really good performance. We'll talk about more individuals later. And then, of course, Joe Toussaint comes down again after a stop, makes it 18-17 with another pull-up mid-range. I thought that Joe Toussaint, in the first half especially, and we'll talk about Pop Isaacs a bit more with what he did in the second half for you, but that first half... Joe Toussaint took over the game. He was the conductor out there. And um, that huge stretch from under 12 minutes ago until you could force Texas to take their timeout before they even get to the under 8, where it goes from 17-10 to 18-17, that just flipped the game on its head. The first 10 minutes were kind of a slow start from Texas Tech. It looked like a team playing their first conference game of the year. It looked like a team that hasn't played anybody with a pulse since late November because they really haven't and then to come out get punched in the mouth a little bit and take the lead and really Texas didn't take the lead back until early in the second half you obviously finish the first half out on a run you're up by four you get punched in the mouth out they score a quick six points you take a timeout it doesn't work but you get a stop and then Chance McMillan comes up with a huge three after you get a bucket before a Smith hits it And from then on out, it was pretty much, it just felt like Texas Tech, despite the disadvantage down low, Texas had three guys, 6'8 or taller in this game, that combined for 79 minutes. 
You have one guy over at least 6'8 on this roster. That's Warren Washington. Him and Robert Jennings combined for just 40 minutes, and you still force Texas to take more threes than you in this game. I mean, it, it was just an, a really impressive performance. I, the most impressive thing to me, I thought, was just how active they were on defense. And in the first half especially, just their willingness to go to the rim. And that continued throughout the game, that they were willing to play down low against a team that every moment of the game it felt like. And pretty much the stats bear this out. On average, there were two guys with at least of at least 6'8 on this team on the floor for Texas. And you only had one, and sometimes they were going up against nobody who was 6'8 or taller. The second stretch I really want to talk about in this game and, and just go through was under six minutes to go. It's 66-59. It, Shedrick is working down low on Washington. He gets two shots up, misses them both. Uh, Warren Washington was just protecting that rim like his life absolutely depended on it there. I mean, it, he was just locking down that So you get the ball back, and... Pop misses the three. They come down. Joe Toussaint gets called for a blocking foul, which I don't know. Um, I get this year it's a blocking foul. Last year, I, I think that goes as a charge. But the most impressive thing, right after that, they, Tyrese Hunter hits them both. Joe Toussaint's off the floor with four fouls. And in comes Darian Williams, and they match him up on Brock Cunningham. And this is something I told the guy I was watching the game with there. Man, if, if they match up Darian Williams on Brock Cunningham, I love that matchup. I want to see that matchup so bad. They match him up against Brock Cunningham in the post. Darian Williams just posts him up, drives in on him, uh, draws an and one, and, and at that point, it's 68-61. You get the bucket, make it 69-61. I thought that was just a huge play in this game. After they cut the lead to five, you go it back at a three-point play, with Joe Tucson on the bench, give you some more time with Tucson on the bench with four fouls, that was a massive play in this game. And Darian Williams, I don't think he had his best game, but man, anytime he matched up on Brock Cunningham, it felt like he just had the absolute advantage of, over him. It looked like he just put Brock Cunningham in a body bag every time he, he was matched up. But after that, both teams go scoreless for a couple possessions. Texas gets a bucket with Ace Miss. Uh, Pop, look, it's a six-point game at this point. He's driving down low. He takes a tough shot. I get that there was only seven left on the shot clock. You kind of wish he would have kicked that back out and seen if they could have gotten a better look with seven seconds on the shot clock. I know it's iffy whether you can or not then. But they come down. Tyrese Hunter gets fouled. And I will say, here and on the rewatch, I it seemed loud in the stadium. But when I got home, you could actually hear the Raider powers coming through during the free throws on the rewatch. Tyrese Hunter goes over to it, it. You're going into the under four timeout up by six. They have two free throws with a over 75% free throw shooter. He goes over to pop takes the ball, drives in on them. They have that one where they slip with a Smith. You, uh, Darian Williams gets the block. I believe it was Toussaint who picked it up for the assist and then goes back down to streaking Chance McMillan who then adds insult to injury on Tyrese Hunter by dunking it on him. And Warren Washington goes and flashes the horns down. 10-point game. Pretty much game over at that point. 
and it, it really was game over at that point. That was the dagger in it. It felt good to see Pop run through there to get you that eight-point lead and then just great defense after that. I thought Pop was impressive defensively in this game as well. And talking about the big picture from this team, uh, if we're going to go player by player, I guess we want to start with the coach. Grant McCaslin, if you remember last season in Austin, I think this is when people got really frustrated with Mark Adams. It seemed like the calls were not going in your favor, and Mark Adams was just standing on the sidelines, hands in his armpits, looking down at the ground, doing nothing, not coaching. Grant McCasson, he is the exact opposite. He is getting in players' faces. I mean, obviously, he like daps him up afterwards, but he's getting in players' faces. He did one where he looked like he gave Darian Williams like a bear hug to make sure that he got to talk to him. Uh, there was another point in the second half that the guy I was watching with I didn't see it at the time, but McCaslin just slammed the ball straight down on the ground. He was livid, and on the rewatch, what you didn't know at the time was he met the refs or Toussaint. He was going after Toussaint on that one, and there was another play uh, under eight minutes to go. Crunch time in the game. You're shooting free throws, and he's on the bench coaching Lamar Washington and Robert Jennings are the only two sitting there. He's coaching them hard. Those two guys, of the eight players that got minutes for you, they got the two fewest minutes. And he has his back to the game, uh, just coaching them hard on the bench. I, I mean, it is two hours of nonstop coaching when Texas Tech's playing basketball with McCaslin. And uh, I guess we'll go through players individually. By the way, I... Texas, I think, does have more talent. I think they have a huge weak spot in Brock Cunningham. But you have far and away, and I said this last week, far and away the better coach. I mean, it's not even close between McCaslin and Rodney Terry at all. It is not close between these two guys. Um, But player by player, just quickly through each of them, I said Joe Toussaint was the conductor. He, He has been worth every penny. He ended up with 15 points in 35 minutes, 7 of 13 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3. But, man, he was controlling the tempo in this game. Uh, Pop Isaacs, holy cow, what a second half from Pop Isaacs. He only got 29 minutes in this one, but 21 points, 7 of 15 from the field, 3 of 5 from the three-point line, and a perfect 4 for 4 from the stripe. And it was kind of funny. They were booing him every time he touched the ball all night. Well, they didn't boo him much in the last two minutes. They kind of gave up and said, okay, this isn't working. Warren Washington, by far his best game as a Texas Tech Red Raider to date. And and I will say, it is impressive seeing how much this rivalry means to guys who it's their first year here and they're not even from Texas. 15 points on 29 in 29 minutes, 5 of 5 from the field, 5 of 8 from the free throw stripe, which I think you'll take 5 of 8 from the free throw stripe for Warren Washington uh, just about every time. He only got three fouls called on him, did a good job staying out of foul trouble. This was actually the most fouls he's had in a game since Michigan, uh, but I thought that he just did a lot of work for you down low as well. And it's again, overmatched down low. That, that was going to be an issue in the front court. And it really didn't seem like it was. They held their own. Darion Williams. Uh, not his best game. Uh, he got he had 32 minutes. And I'll talk about why I think he's so important to this team in a minute. 
Uh, 32 minutes, 7 points, 3 of 7. He had an air ball, and then he had another bad shot. Uh, missed his 3, got a free throw, but... I thought that he was really important for you, did some dirty work down low as well, and anytime he was matched up against Brock Cunningham, he knew he was taking advantage. Kerwin Walton, it's his worst game in a while for Texas Tech. Worst game since he came into the starting lineup. Uh, no points, 0 for 2 from the field. I didn't think that he was terrible. He turned the ball over once, uh, but I didn't think that it, it was his worst game in a while since he's been in the starting lineup. I don't think that Kerwin Walton was just terrible, though. Chance McMillan, holy cow, 28 minutes. Your sixth man, 11 points, 3 of 6 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, including a huge one towards the start of the second half where it looked like uh, they were gaining some momentum. It was a tied game, and then he just comes down and hits a 3 from well beyond NBA range and just, you know, we struggled early in the season with shooting him three. Chance McMillan did two until he went and hit eight threes against Butler. But, man, he took that one without hesitation. Uh, a couple other guys. Lamar Washington, he only got eight minutes. I thought this wasn't a great game. I didn't think it was disastrous from him. He had a couple iffy moments. He ended up with four points in eight minutes, so not terrible. Uh, he had that huge three for you, though. That huge corner three in the second half to stretch it out. I mean... If Lamar Washington, 21% from three on the year, if he's hitting threes for you, you got to feel good about it. Only his fourth three of the year. And Robert Jennings, 11 minutes, five points, including that one where Darian Williams went through the defender's legs to find him. Uh, Two for two from the field. Uh, One of them was off of a good putback as well. I thought that Robert Jennings is really coming into his own. And this is a huge thing that I'm going to talk about for the future. Can he play the four? Because Darian Williams, I think Darian Williams is so important to this team, especially with Chance McMillan out, because there was a moment where he was out and he got on a run because Pop hit a huge three for you in that second half. But you're you're looking, and I was looking, the lineups Pop, Toussaint, Kerwin Walton, Lamar Washington, and Warren Washington, and you're like, oh boy, this is... We have four guards out here, and neither one of them have a ton of length right now. Um, so I do want to see if Robert Jennings, he's doing what I want. I, I mean, literally, Warren Washington and Jennings were never on the court together at the same time. They combined for 40 minutes. They are just switching out between that center position, and I thought Robert Jennings held his own, was able to give Warren Washington a breather if he's in foul trouble in the Big 12 play. That votes well for you. But I do kind of want to see, can Robert Jennings, if he's asked to play the four a little bit when Darian Williams comes out, can he go ahead and get 15, 16 minutes for you? Can he take another leap forward? Because it, with your lack of depth in the front court, I think that could be important. And remember, this is a Robert Jennings who was passed over by EY earlier in this season that was getting very few minutes and now he submitted himself as that backup center and he's starting to look really good doing it he's certainly a high potential player 
Um, overall, there's not enough praise to go around. Perfect game plan. A really hardworking team. They were active on the defensive end, active hands, forcing steals. There's one play where Ace, or I forget who the primary defender was, but it was Ace Smith was going into the corner. I think that Darian Williams was guarding uh, Mitchell. And as soon as that pass came from Mitchell to Ace Smith, Darian Williams just immediately went there recognize the double team, force them to call a timeout. Really impressive play by Darian Williams. And to cap off the celebration, we got to talk about the minister of culture himself. Sixth year, uh, zero points, five fouls, his fifth L at home to Texas Tech. And oh, by the way, he's also one and five, one and four in Lubbock, although they're one and six in their last seven there. Brock Cunningham, the man, uh, the son of Darian Williams. Uh, this guy fouling out. He was a clown. He had two fouls with eight minutes left in this game. I, I didn't see the third. Saw he was complaining. Then I got a good look at the fourth, and it wasn't until the second time I rewatched this game, and I went back and was like, okay, I want to see what he did here. This guy, Warren Washington, jogging down the court. Brock Cunningham, for no reason, with three fouls on him, just goes and throws a shoulder into Warren Washington, and then he's going into his huddle complaining about it. Then he goes over to the ref to complain, and the ref was having none of it. He just immediately said, no, no, you know what you did. And it was a clear foul, a stupid foul. Just just something, frustration boiling over, and then he goes complains about it. But great haircut for him. He's going to look great at boot camp when he goes there after every pro basketball team in the country rejects him. Overall, um, a huge win for Texas Tech. And now I will say, I said last week I didn't think Texas was that good. I think they have more talent than you. I, I don't think they're that well coached at all. I don't think the pieces are fitting together. I mean, you're still starting Brock Cunningham. But Texas Tech showed that they can win without being a volume shoot three shooting team. I, I mean, this is the second fewest threes that we've taken in a game this year. And the uh, one that you took fewer in, you were shooting it terribly. Today, you were clipping at 57%, and you still didn't need to go down low. Or go to the perimeter and live and die from there. Now, when it was a smaller lineup, you did that a little bit more. But overall, just... A, a huge win. This should put you in the NCAA tournament field for the time being. Big game against Oklahoma State, who just took Baylor to overtime at home. Baylor's another team I'm not quite sold on yet. And Oklahoma State struggled. Now, Mike Boyton, what normally happens with his teams is struggle in the non-con, turn it on in conference play. It'll be interesting to see if that happens. Th- this game against Oklahoma State, is a game that you should win. You have a real chance to get to 3-0. and You have Oklahoma State, Kansas State at home. We'll be back to preview the Kansas State game after and recap the Oklahoma State game later this week. Uh, that game is tomorrow at 7 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. But now, we got to talk about the controversy. So, with all this going on, Pop Isaacs was accused in a civil suit of sexually uh, of sexual assault. Now, against a 17-year-old girl. You can go back to the last couple episodes if you want to see who you think it was against or 
who's filing the suit. And really, you don't even need to listen to the episodes. You could just look out the description and you could probably get a decent guess on what this is about if you already don't know. This is fishy. And the question boils down to, should Pop Isaacs be playing? I am of the stance that 100% yes. First, he has not been indicted criminally. Second, this was brought to our Title IX office three weeks ago. Three weeks ago. And Pop Isaacs is still playing. He's in good standing. The other thing, just the entire timing of the investigation. Or of when this dropped. And who was teasing it? Chris Wash, who I've already said he's an idiot that might find himself in prison someday. But he was teasing it, retweeting it, seemed overjoyed about it. This thing, apparently it was reported to the university three weeks ago. And they dropped this news the day before the conference opener. And not just... The day before the conference opener. The day, or the 20 minutes, 20 minutes after they post that they're getting on the plane. So they drop it when the plane is in the air as they're on their way to Austin. Hmm. I I don't know. I, it's a civil suit and people were booing Pop Isaacs. The people in front of me were calling him a rapist all day. Um, look, I, there were some alarming things. First, that she was too drunk to consent. And then second, that, well, she also tried to fight him off. I don't know why both were in there. It, it's very possible this happened. And if this happened... And our investigation showed that it happened. He should be done with Texas Tech basketball 100%. 100% he should be off the team, never playing again in college basketball. The second thing for me. Um, it's suspicious because it, you also had that they were in a room together. Then they both allegedly decide to go to the room. You'd never know what happens, but... I don't know. This thing seems like I, I kind of understand why people say, oh, he shouldn't be playing with this hanging over him. Tile Nine's been looking to, into it for three weeks now, I and they haven't found enough to suspend him. I mean, this is the fifth game that he's been in good standing since it's been reported. And there's also some sketchy things from The Athletic that she didn't come forward about until she heard that he bragged or he bragged about it in the locker room. And you don't know what that looks like. And look, you can have your opinions on morally what Pop Isaacs did. I I don't think that's right, especially if it was with a teammate's younger sister, potentially. But is it criminal? I I don't know. Our Title IX office also kicked uh, Corporu out. And you had Chris Beard, who, by the way, I would trust Grant McCaslin to do the right thing before I would trust Chris Beard to do the right thing. You had Chris Beard fighting that one tooth and nail and the Town 9 office still kicked him out. And it's not like, oh, well, we just have to let play out and McCaslin, maybe he plays some limited minutes or benches him. He's been getting his normal minutes. I, this whole thing to me, it, it should play out. Obviously, there's a victim here 
and it, it's sad that it's coming into the public light, but man, I, with this many red flags or this many things that you go, wait, what? And some Twitter activity by the guy who may be filing suit for them. Um, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't imagine why you would want to punish a guy before the facts come out because you can kick him off the team. He could go to jail. He could, the civil suit could come out and he could owe this girl and their family a million dollars if he did it. But if you punish him right now by holding him out of games, with this many red flags or things that go, oh, I, I don't know how legit this is. If you punish him for that, you can't undo it if it proves that he did nothing wrong. You can't undo it. So I, I think Pop Isaacs absolutely should continue to play. I said on Friday, um, I don't think there'll be any suspe- suspensions. Obviously, the suit... The timing of it, where they're on the plane, I, I, I don't know. I, I think Pop Isaac should be playing in this game. I think that he should continue to play. Don't have a problem with that. And you could see him. He was dejected after the game. He played really well, put up 21 for you. But then, you know, uh, in the locker room, in the celebration, you could kind of see him with his head down in the corner. Obviously, look. If he did this, he deserves to feel like crap, and he deserves jail time. If he didn't do it, being accused of sexual assault in front of the country, especially when you're already going through, falsely accused of it if he didn't do it, especially when you're going through your dad with a major health battle, that would take his toll on anyone. I'm glad that he gets the next two games at home. That was probably the worst place you could have possibly gone this week for him right after this drops. Uh, He played well. Hope he gets a good ovation at home because, look, until Title IX says he needs to be held out or criminal or he's indicted criminally or the civil suit plays out and he's found guilty, I don't know. You have the presumption of innocence and especially one with this many red flags. Uh, I think it's the right call for him to be playing. And quite honestly, I think under these circumstances, he should get a good ovation in Lubbock on Tuesday. And, of course, uh, we got to take a look around the Big 12 from this past week. I got to say, TCU got absolutely hosed in their game. That's that Allen Fieldhouse cooking. TCU is a much better team than I thought they were coming in. Houston absolutely destroying West Virginia. Boy, Houston... It would be so nice to get to 3-0 because after that you're going to Houston. I don't think you're picking that one up. Oklahoma State gave Baylor a tough battle. I was completely wrong on UCF and Kansas State. Now, I went 4-3 for on my personal bets, really 5-3 for because I bet both Tech plus 6.5 and the money line. But I was completely wrong on UCF, so I'm sorry about that one. They may be terrible. It's a good thing that you get them in Oklahoma State both twice this season. Oklahoma took care of business against Iowa State at home. Uh, Eight-point win, didn't didn't think it was overly shocking. The only other upset this week was Cincinnati 71, BYU 60. And this was a game, by the way, that BYU had at the half. They were outscored 47-29 in that second half. But you move on. I think that Texas Tech looking like a top half of the Big 12 team, especially if they could go get a win against Oklahoma State. Also, couple additions for football you now have three really good tight ends on your roster you get a tight end out of Oklahoma 
and you got a guy that started pretty much every game for Nevada this season at defensive tackle. But that's going to do it for this one. Uh, If you can, go ahead and give us a five-star review and a rating. If you don't like what we had to say, just find me on Twitter and tweet mean things at me. I appreciate that. Uh, But uh, we'll be back uh, probably probably Wednesday night is when we'll be back and do our Oklahoma State recap. And we'll also preview Kansas State a little bit. That's going to do it. Reckon.